This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. Kia ora. You're listening to The Locals on Free FM 89.0. With the country under lockdown, rural communities that were previously geographically isolated are now seeing isolation from support, resources and communication. For those reasons, we're focusing on those communities today so you can have as much up-to-date information as possible. So let's crack into it. This is The Locals and this is The Rural Lockdown. Many people have experienced lower internet and phone calls dropping. For rural areas, it has been even more pronounced. I had a chat with Fiona Gower from Rural Woman New Zealand about keeping communities connected. Ironically, the call kept dropping. Yes, it's it's been a really incredibly tough time when you take into account we've had droughts. You know, North Island's been a drought, South Island was in flood. Um, we've had you know, um, worries about payouts. We've got, you know, thinking about things like um, climate change and emissions and fresh water and, you know, so much to worry us. And everybody's been panicking and running around. And I know we've been doing it. We, we travel a lot and all of a sudden we've stopped and we're going, hmm, did we need to do all this panic? Actually, what's important? <laughs> And um, I think that's that's been a really interesting thing for me is going, so what is important and what do we really have to, to look at? And um, I think coming out of this, the rural sector will probably come out less worse than others, if that sounds a good way of putting it. For rural communities, what do you think are the biggest challenges we're going to face? As a number, and um, this is the one that, you know, th- there's quite a few that we had looking at yeah, and looking to make sure that, um, I guess, that our economies are kept viable. So, you know, we've got all this amazing food that we're producing. We need to make sure that there's still a market for, for that and that um, it can be sent away and we can still uh, get an income coming off that you know that's that's number one is making sure that you know we've got to keep our rural communities really really strong really really vibrant and viable and to do that we actually have to have an income and as I say you know we've got an industry so I'm talking the um, the food and fiber producers especially the food ones um, really important that they get well supported through this um, and then we've got our little We've got our rural businesses, and I talk about these a lot, that we actually need to support these businesses uh, because they are the ones that really hold our communities together quite often. They're uh, you know, small guys that fix their motorbikes or provide um, services, whether it be at transport, whether it be fixing things, whether it be uh, supplying goods. Or there's little um, boutique businesses that a lot of our women have started up to raise extra income either for their farm or to use new skills that they, or the skills that they've brought onto farm. 
to um, have an income of their own or, and have financial independence. We need to support those because if we don't, you know, it's a huge part of our economy and our community will be gone and hard to get back. Um, a big one out in rural, and I've and um, I don't know if I said to you before, is this is I've travelled up top of the hill. I'm standing Sorry, on top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you were talking about connectivity, you dropped out of reception. So if, if you want to start that again, sorry. Um, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, and this is the irony of it. This is um, so a real issue for rural communities, rural businesses, is connectivity. And as we've talked about, is the fact that it's really, really important um, to have that uh, to keep our businesses and to keep our communities viable. Uh, at the moment, the amount of internet that's being dragged is huge. So we're finding a huge drop um, at home. I'm actually standing on top of the hill on top of the farm because that's the only, one of the only places I can get cell phone coverage within a reasonable distance. And that's 20 minutes, I suppose. Um, is the fact that uh, my internet is now running at, at dial-up speed at best at times. Um, or dropping out completely, how are we supposed to run rural businesses like that? How are we supposed to educate our children with um, or ourselves, whoever, have decent education if we don't have decent connectivity? Um, cell phone coverage in a lot of our rural communities is still non-existent and really important that we connect somehow. Um, for a lot of our older people, the only connection they possibly have is a landline and even those have been quite um, stretched in the last week and we've noticed that too with overloading going on and for those older ones in our communities that may be the only way that they can connect, it's really important that that, that sort of connection is kept. Um, I know with times moving on, they're saying, you know, everybody's got internet, everybody's got cell phones, well, it's not actually quite correct and that needs to be addressed to make sure that um, we've all got um adequate and affordable access to connectivity in all forms. So, yeah, that's, that's a really big one for us out here. The changes that need to happen to provide communication, uh, sort of proper um, communication um, to rural communities isn't going to be able to appear in about three and a half, four weeks. Um, do you think, um, given that the government's pumping literal billions into dealing with this situation, um, this is going to be an opportunity. Have an uh, event to point to and say, right, we need to really ramp up investing in rural um, communication infrastructure because internet is getting slower. Phone lines last week were dropping out because there are so many people trying to make calls. And in those situations, yeah, those people out on the coast, out on the farm, you know, they're not just geographically isolated, they're technologically isolated, and that's dangerous, isn't it? It's actually, yeah, it is for us. It's, we often talk about the health and safety aspects of not having that, that connectivity or that connection, uh, because what happens if the internet is out, there's no cell phone coverage, and, and the phones, phone lines are overloaded to actually go for help. You know, for some of those remote communities, it is a long way to go. And uh, and as I say, a lot for our older people, if they really are worried, um, and it's security as well. When you look at where we live, you know, where do we have to go if we have to leave a house because of something? 
to get help. So certainly, you know, and I know it won't happen in three and a half weeks, but it certainly is showing the gaps and where there are some huge gaps. And here's some here's t- some time that we can. And, and I've been talking the last few weeks to a lot of people going, okay, here are the challenges. Is now time to grab those challenges and turn them to opportunities to make things better for us all. And uh, certainly, it's you know it would be great to see them looking at where the where the gaps are and addressing that as soon as they possibly can, just to keep keep us all safe and keep us going. Really, so really important. In the meantime, what would be your key pieces of pieces of advice for rural people, you know, dealing with this situation? So do what you've always done. And I think that's the important thing is rural communities are really good at connecting. Rural communities are really good at supporting each other and keeping things going. So I really important that we do do that still. And whether it be how, how whatever means it can be, you know, like um, if you do have internet, you know, we've, with these messenger groups you can set up, you can ring somebody, just make sure they're okay. If you're driving past, you know, give everybody a toot. And we know we can't do that. Um, we're physically isolated. We're not socially isolated. And I think that's the difference is that we actually have to still keep in touch very much so. So, And rural communities have always been great at this. And here's a really good opportunity for us to all reconnect because over the last few years, I guess, because we have been so busy and there's new people moving into the area and things, we don't always do it so well. But great opportunity for us to reconnect and to support each other. And if you are going to town, see what other people may need. You know, one person into town makes things a lot safer and um, dropping things off at the bottom of the driveways. So, again, it's turning those turning things into opportunities to make things better for us all and um, keep an eye on each other because if you don't hear from a neighbour, they're probably the ones that you do have to worry about. And, um, you know, we, the other thing we're quite worried about is with the stress of all of this is, is whānau violence making sure that our whānau, our families are safe and well and, you know, we don't have to worry so much about our mental wellness and things like that because it is going to be stressful. Make sure that you reach out if you are stressed or upset. Make sure that you can reach out to somebody, whether it be a mate on the end of the phone or ringing one of those other numbers that are always coming up. Rural Support Trust are amazing at doing that work. Um, there's the 1737 number, you know, the AUEO case. Pick up the phone, pick up the internet, do something if you need help. Don't let it suffer because um, it just makes it worse and we want everybody to come out the other side best they can. Thanks, Fiona. It's vital people are staying connected, keeping an eye on the neighbours and getting support when needed. If you want to get in touch with Fiona and the team at Rural Women NZ, their number is 04473 5524. Rural We turn now to the Waikato Regional Council. From public transport to environmental monitoring, they're a vital part of life in the region. That's why I had a chat with local councillor Stu Kneebone about what services are still operating. All the services that we we sort of consider essential um, are are still running and are being provided by the Regional Council. Um, we're, We're planning for a I guess the worst case scenario in terms of an extended lockdown and ensuring we can keep everyone safe and by everyone I mean our staff, um, our elected members and and the community at large. Uh, All of our offices are closed so everyone's working from home. So we've got over 500 staff logging in remotely um, each day and uh, we had all of our essential services running uh, remotely, well 
from remote-based staff within 24 hours of lockdown. Um, and we've got an incident management team that we've established to manage business continuity of, of the council's operations. Um, our investigation and incident response, um, that's still up and running. So, you know, you just never know, it could be oil spills, biosecurity incursions and things like that. Um, our communications is obviously pretty essential in, in a time like this. So we have to keep the community informed. Um, a good example of that is the, um, is the challenges that we're having on our coastlines at the moment with people that aren't um, abiding by the by the government's um, requests in terms of um, keeping off the water. That's primarily about um, about health and safety because our our Coast Guard and our other emergency services um, are wanting to minimise their exposure to, to people as well. So people have to remember that our our, our boat ramps are open primarily for enabling commercial vessel, vessel operation and for our harbour masters so that they can get onto the water because they're an essential service because they have to make sure that our navigational aids are secure um, for those commercial and freight vessels which are um, continuing to operate. Um, flood protection is another big one um, and that really I guess only applies to Otorohunga and of course we do that um, in conjunction with the Otorohunga District Council. Um, but throughout the rest of the region, we've, in, in total, we've got over, over 600 kilometres of stock banks, and that protects about 30,000 square kilometres of land from flooding. So that's pretty, uh, clearly a pretty essential service when, when we're coming into, in, into wintertime. Um, water quality, and that's particularly at a time like this in terms of um, drinking water and, and human health, that's pretty important. So that, that's pretty much business as usual. Obviously, we're minimising um, the amount of, of field work we, ha we have to do. There's a couple big projects happening with the Regional Council, Hamilton to Auckland Rail Service and Planning Change One. Can you give us an idea um, about if any of the timelines for those have been changed? Yeah, so the Hamilton-Auckland train, obviously, um, it, it's more or less ready to go. All the planning and stuff's taken place and the infrastructure and stuff is, is not far away from completion, but um, that's been put on hold. At this stage, it's a potential August start, but um, yeah, I guess we have to wait and see how the how the lockdown pans out. Um, plan change one, so council has approved the hearing panel's decision, um, or probably approximately a month ago now. Um, we were going to publicly notify that um, about now, um, and, and of course that that means that the official period for lodging appeal starts. Now that's normally um, has to be a minimum of, of 15 working days. We can make it 30 working days. So um, we've um, currently in discussions with the court to see if we can extend the time frame by which submitters um, can lodge their appeals um, out until the till the end of June. Um, but we're still waiting to hear back from from the court on on what the situation there is. So at this point of time, it hasn't officially been publicly notified. Uh, we're just conscious that um, we want to ensure that people that want to lodge an appeal, um, uh, that process won't be compromised by the um, by the COVID-19 lockdown situation. Uh, as far as pest control and management, are there any changes to that um, during this period? Um, well, in terms of, I guess, biosecurity incursions, um, that, that would be classified um, as a, um, I guess, a, an incident response. So we'd, we'd be doing that. But 
but but again only something that was that was um, risky and, and potentially could have significant impacts. Um, we, we've had a lot of pest control in terms of pest control operations that were underway at the time of lockdown. So all those um, operations, which are largely carried out by contractors, have all had to cease and and be put on hold and and they'll be up and running again once once the um, the lockdown ceases. Um, so it's, it's just a, it's just about maintaining those critical. Um, pest and biosecurity um, incident responses really at this point of time. Is there anything else that Regional Council is carrying out right now that people really should know? Um, well, our, our bus services um, are operating on a, on a slightly reduced level of service, bearing in mind, of course, that, that um, as per the government's directive, bus travel is only available available to people that work in an, an essential service or they need to use a bus to access an essential service such as healthcare. Um, we've got a passenger trip register um, and we're requesting that, that passengers, those passengers that meet the criteria to use the bus, register their trip details and, con and contact information and that can be done online or, or via 0800 205 uh, 305 so you can find that on the Regional Council's BUSIT website. Um, and, and that's obviously about, um, if the, I guess, if there is an outbreak, that the MOH can can contact those that, that could have been um, exposed. So um, the buses are free, and that's primarily so that there's no money changing hands and that passenger contact with the driver is, is minimised as much as is possible for, for safety reasons. And we're asking people to, um, to maintain those safe distances when they're in the bus, obviously sitting, uh, having a gap seat between each person. Um, and, and that sort of thing, you know. Uh, but, but fundamentally, the, the, the buses are running, but a slightly reduced timetable. I think the Cambridge and Teowamutu buses are, are running to their weekend, weekend timetables, which I think is, from memory, is, is um, seven trips a day. But um, again, all that information is available on, on the BUSIT website. Thanks, Stu. While in-person interactions have ended, you can still contact the Waikato Regional Council their number is 0800 800 401 and at waikatoregion.govt.nz. Finally, we turn to our local representative, MP Barbara Kuriga. Now, the whole interview couldn't fit, so here's the half looking at primary industries. I'll play the rest next week. Uh, when we were emailing the other day, uh, you mentioned that you were on the Nationals Primary Industries Caucus. From your perspective, um, what are the key challenges as a country uh, we're grappling with within primary industries? I know you already mentioned um, butcheries. Mm. Butcheries have been the hard one, and, it, and it's, it's more about the contact of opening the doors. So now if they can actually... Uh, you know, sell it online or have uh, no contact deliveries or collections, uh, then they are able to operate. I uh, am concerned about uh, some of the food that's actually been, uh, you know, either ploughed back in the ground or left to go to waste because of the little local butchers and things at this stage. Um, if it was extremely long term, that would be a, a far bigger worry. I think the realisation now is that, um, you know, for such a long time, there's been so many uh, uh, things coming down at agriculture in terms of, um, you know, ETS and water and methane and all of those sorts of things. As a country, we're really going to think about, need to think about how hard and fast we go on many of those things going forward. Because to be honest, uh, we can still trade. 
Uh, I saw Fonterra this morning, the auction was up, I think about 1.2%. Uh, the product is still getting overseas and in terms of our economy, um, agriculture with tourism out of the picture largely, or at least international tourism, agriculture is going to play a much bigger part. Uh, so I think looking at the dynamics of how you know, what might be different in our climate going forward and just seeing how we can adjust some of the settings in this space. So, because agriculture, I mean, the world's going to need to eat and, um, you know, that's what we do best and our, and our trade is largely um, getting through. Uh, so, you know, I think that that will be a big focus for the future is what does agriculture then look like uh, coming out of this that it didn't look like going in before it? While the lockdown will have should have hypothetically ended by then gypsy day is relatively close yes. um, and if things get extended which they potentially will especially with what's happening abroad how do you think we're going to be tackling you know the first of june because for a whole heap of our communities it's such a big day it's a very big day and uh, Federated Farmers and MPI and a range of other people are discussing that at the moment. Uh, my view is, and I haven't got the absolute answer because they're still discussing, when it becomes an animal welfare issue, uh, it needs to be done safely with social distancing. Um, and of course, you know, if we're extended uh, beyond that point, there will be less cars on the road. It may effectively be safer than what it would normally be in any other given year. Um, but it's, um, it will be a matter, though those animals will, will need to move uh, and I think it'll be a matter of, of showing that it can be done safely without the people contact and uh, I'm hopeful that they're going to get to some logical solutions. And is there anything else you'd like to add, Barbara? Uh, look, just asking people to, um, to stay well, to bear with it. You know, we're all in support of this lockdown. We all know that it's the right thing to do. Um, we're halfway through it today and uh, I think largely, you know, everyone's trying to read into the numbers to see what they mean. I think largely um, as our borders get more and more uh, shut down uh, that uh, we as, as New Zealanders have an ability to do this. And so, you know, most businesses are, you know, finding a little bit hard, although they've got these subsidies and stuff. You know, let's just think about this as a four-week process. Um, and if we need to extend it, we'll work out what happens from there. But I think if we do the right thing for four weeks, and if it's hard for people for four weeks, and we can come out the other end sooner, then we're all going to be in a better place. So I would just say to people, eat your Easter eggs at home. The Easter bunny is not banned. Jacinda Ardern has made that very clear that the Easter bunny is still in business. Uh, I know that... Uh, Supermarkets have plenty, so the Easter Bunny won't have a problem getting them. But please eat your Easter eggs at home this Easter. Cheers, Barbara. And if you'd like to get in touch with her, email barbara.curriga at parliament.govt.nz. There's one group I hope to talk to, but we couldn't make it work, unfortunately. The Rural Support Trust. They're an amazing group that's been backing farmers for years. Best of all, they're still operating under Level 4 and can do phone calls and Zoom appointments. If you're a farmer or no one who's under stress or pressure, give them a call. 0800 787 254. Additionally, they're on Facebook, 
at ruralsupportwaikato and at rural-support.org.nz. And there we go. I hope that information finds you well. As mentioned earlier, I've got plenty contacts for you should you need them. The main symptoms of COVID-19 are a dry cough, fever and breathlessness. And if you're experiencing these, please call Healthline 0800 358 5453. If you're in the Waitomo, Waipa and Otrahanga areas, residents can free phone 0800 800 405 if they're struggling to access food, groceries, medication or other household goods and services. That's the Western Waikato Emergency Management, 0800 400 405. The Maniapoto Marae Trust Board can be contacted at 0800 668 285. Additionally, Tainui has put together some great resources and their number is 0800 824 684. MPI can be contacted at 0800 008333. Rural Women New Zealand is 04473-5524. Rural Support Trust 0800 787 254. For dry stock farmers, beef and lamb is 0800 233 352. Dairy NZ is 0800 4324. 7969. Women's Refuge is 0800 733 843 and Haybro is 0800 439 276. As mentioned, the Waikato Regional Council is 0800 800 401. Waipa District Council is 0800 924 723 and earlier this week, Waipa announced changes to rates for those struggling financially during this period, more on their website. Waitomo District Council is 07878-0800. Waitomo has put in place a way for people to dispose of rubbish. This episode comes out on the 9th and on the 10th. Marakopa and Benidale transfer stations will be open from 9am to 12 midday to dispose your blue rubbish bags. Otrahanga District Council is 07873-4000. Like Mayor Robertson, Otrahanga Mayor Max Baxter is routinely posting updates on his Facebook page, giving good briefings on what's happening in the area. And in an emergency, call 111. I hope these numbers help. All of them have websites and are ready to support you. I'll post these and everything on the Dan Armstrong Y Parking Country Facebook page and we'll be back next Thursday at 5pm with more information and support. But until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Enohora. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.